Hey folks, uh, so <laughs> do not put this in. One of these days I'm going to be professional, I swear to God. <sighs> okay, here we go. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know why I can't stop giggling. All right, <clears throat> excuse me. Hey folks, it's Dr. God, you know who it is. Why am I even... All right. Hey folks, and welcome to my office hours. Uh, frack, 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 frack. This is... Hey folks, I'm Dr. C, yeah. and thanks for coming to my office. What? I had it. Why did you say something? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey folks, it's Dr. C, and this is like the 18th time I'm trying this introduction because for some reason I just can't keep it together. Anyway, welcome to the office hours yet again. I'm not sure why you keep showing back since we're clearly not professionals we're hacks and frauds <laughs> all right so we're in for a real downer today kids uh so <laughs> all right so this is actually inspired by some uh, conversations i've seen going on on tiktok um that i think are really interesting and uh basically predicated on the idea of law enforcement or um, excuse me as superheroes acting as law enforcement and this is actually a pretty common discussion that's been had for some time um i don't mean to imply that it's new just that it's been you know in the sort of social media circles that i've been occupying right. um recently and it's interesting because i don't reject this idea outright but basically the idea is before i get too much into my own opinion the the basic perspective is that superheroes act to preserve the social order uh, and the sort of social contract that we have. Mm. And they punish criminals, that kind of thing. They often work in conjunction with law enforcement. Now, they often render law enforcement uh, less necessary and in some cases obsolete mm -hmm. because right. what's, you know, why do you need police when you have Spider-Man, for example, right? Now, and the obvious answer to that yeah. is, well, there's only one Spider-Man, uh, depending on how many Spider-Men you count. But, you know, you have one Peter Parker, uh, and one Peter Parker right. still has other things he has to do. He's not going to be able to patrol the entirety of, you know, um, Brooklyn. That being said, or I'm sorry, excuse me, Queens, my bad. Um, that being said, like, it's interesting how they, the argument being that they operate, uh, operate in a auxiliary fashion to law enforcement, or in some mm -hmm. cases, replace it entirely. And we've seen this with the MCU. So uh, in the main Marvel continuity in the comics, the 616 universe, which is the original universe, before they went off into like the Ultimates, which is largely the inspiration for the MCU and things like that, or any of the okay. other um, spinoff universes, in the mainstream uh, 616 universe, the Avengers were not a part of the government. They were not a part of S.H.I.E.L.D. They were not a part of any sort of government organization. They were just a team of superheroes operating on their own, mm -hmm. privately financed by Tony Stark, right? And so in the MCU, they made them into effectively uh, agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of a sort, right? They were accountable to Nick yeah. Fury. He's the one who put the team together, all that kind of stuff. So while they're not official government agents, they are basically contractors or mercenaries for that matter, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. if we want to put it in that in that kind of lens the previous version as well is just uh you know they're a, a local militia you know, a pretty well-funded militia you know <laughs> yeah 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 um and they act in a very unilateral way right uh there is no democratic aspect there's next to no oversight uh for the mm -hmm. avengers in the mcu um and when they tried to initiate oversight in the uh in the comics that led to the uh, famous, you know, superhero civil war, uh, the first one, not to be confused with the second one, yeah. um, wherein they tried right. to basically 
you know, incorporate heroes into a federal entity, uh, in that case, it being S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically, leading to yeah. what Tony Stark would create as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the 50 states initiative, where basically you had a small superhero team in every state that was accountable to the government. And so the idea is that, the argument is that superheroes act as law enforcement in an unofficial capacity, or mm-hmm. in some cases, a sort of fascist uh, militia. Because yeah. they appoint themselves with law enforcement abilities in a very undemocratic way. They have the ability, therefore they exert the force, they assume the right to do this sort of stuff. Right? Yeah. We don't get to a we don't get to elect our neighborhood superheroes, they just take it upon themselves. And isn't yeah. that undemocratic? Uh, and, and I think can we ever get rid of them? I don't you know, like what how do you how right. do you stop that? Yeah, yeah. Can you decommission the Hulk? Is that an option? People might get hung up on this idea of calling, uh, you know, the Avengers a uh, a militia or a uh, a set of mercenaries or something like that. But I mean, uh, I I feel like part of that, part of people's um, kind of problem with that is is more about the way that we use our language and 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 it highlights the the biases in the language that we use in general to talk about things like that in our society today right like if you if you think about u.s history we were talking about that in the last episode um the revolutionary war uh the british had german mercenaries the u.s had french people who like to help us right mm-hmm. and we, we don't we don't talk about how much in debt we went into to paying the french to send soldiers over here to help us that's mercenaries they're mercenaries that we we had french mercenaries the british had german mercenaries right but we don't call them mercenaries because they're for the good guys right and um it's it's the same way today with um the u.s's involvement in iraq and afghanistan we the u.s doesn't have mercenaries the U.S. has contractors, right? And and yes. this this language is embedded in the way that we signify who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. And so when when we look at uh, superhero narratives as well, the language helps reinforce who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And that's why it's shocking to often hear about uh, the Avengers, the good guys being considered mercenaries or things like that, because it's not that the Avengers aren't playing the role of a mercenary it's that we're not used to making good guys be labeled in the way that we label bad guys even though they're doing the same the same job i just was reminded of an of something that i, I want to share that i will hope is maybe a little humanizing uh because you know people will point out or from time to time on like social media when they comment on my stuff that you know uh, the, the stuff that i say is really smart and I just want to shadow that illusion for a brief moment related to this. Um, so <laughs> you remember the book series, The Animorphs? Yes. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read those voraciously as a kid. Um, <laughs> and this was actually how I learned about the German mercenaries used by the British, uh, the Hessians. Um because in one of the time travel books of the Animorphs, which they had a handful of them, they go back and fight in the American Revolution. And there's, uh, <laughs> they fight Hessian uh, uh, mercenaries. And I remember reading that and thinking, but wait a minute, how did they get it? Because in my mind, that word was Haitian. Uh, I, 
I, from that point forward, just thought that the British had Haitian forces fighting in the American Revolution. And I believed that. I believed that until I believed that until an unfortunately vocal moment in high school when I was saying something along the lines of like, I don't even understand why Haiti was involved in our war in the, uh, in the revolution. And they, and you, it was one of those, like you could hear like the, the turntable needle screech, right. Come to a stop. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, and everyone else be like, I'm sorry. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> way, <that's>, way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyone's like, you know, Dr. Cruz, you make some really good points. I was a dumb kid like everybody else uh, yeah. <laughs> at one point um, and am marginally smarter now. Anyway, um, that also, I think, though, speaks to like my grade school education and how they didn't really cover the American Revolution in much detail. Right. right, uh, right. Not, not certainly an authentic way. Um, so because I absolutely would have latched onto the idea of like German mercenaries, like it just sounds cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> at least as a kid. So. So, yeah, um, yeah, we use contractors. And actually, they they sort of obscure this a little bit in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, because for those not familiar, in the 616 universe, in the comics, um, Sam Wilson is not a veteran. Sam Wilson is a social worker mm-hmm. who, like, has the ability to communicate uh, with a Falcon, mm-hmm. weirdly. Uh, and they don't really wholly explain that. And then at some point, Captain America wants him, like... Sam wants to be, uh, become a, a hero full time. He goes from uh, because his ability to help people as a social worker is largely constrained by things like bureaucracy and and what he is and isn't able to do and that kind of thing. And while he cares about helping, you know, the youth of the city that he's in, he uh, wants to like take on a more superhero role, a more vigilante role. So Captain America actually hooks him up with the Black Panther. That's where he gets the wingsuit from. That's where he gets. Uh, he is like a super soldier of a sort he has like the super serum a version of it uh in the comics that kind of thing but in the mcu they take sam instead of being a social worker he's a veteran and i would suggest actually that was a way of sort of making him among other things more appealing to white american audiences sure and it also gave an opportunity to link him with captain america in that way um Although I think it would have been cool for like Sam to have been like a therapist and for uh, for uh, Steve Rogers to actually have been going to a therapist because yeah. if anyone needed it, certainly Steve Rogers did. Oh, um, totally. That would be great. <laughs> and, yeah, right, right. And that would have been cool. But they made him into a veteran and uh, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the first episode has him operating as a contractor. He is a mercenary working for the U.S. military. And he does at several mm-hmm. points, actually, throughout the rest of the series, him and Bucky. And Bucky, I get, because what else does he know except for, you know, combat and killing? And that's sad, but uh, I, it made sense to me. Um, although I think it would have been interesting to see him just try to leave that life behind. But all the same, like, Sam and Bucky are essentially Blackwater, right? They're yeah, essentially right. contractors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hired guns. But hopefully they didn't... Com- Hopefully they didn't commit any war crimes in the delivery of like, you know, appliances across, you know, enemy lines, you know, in Iraq or anything like Blackwater. Oh, of course not. No, they're the good guys. Contractors don't do war crimes. Mercenaries do. Yeah. 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 Contractors (laughs) deliver, you know, fancy kitchen appliances and, you know, remodeled home decor uh, through, you know, enemy occupation uh, territories and cause you know some of the bloodiest battles in american history whatever that's not the point um anyway (laughs) so so in this way yeah we see that you know the avengers especially in the mcu and superheroes overall tend to act in very what have you know authoritarian elements uh but forms of law enforcement but i want to complicate this a little bit 
by talking about this in terms of superheroes that um, that act in terms of community support. And three in particular come to mind. Okay. Um, and that would be Luke Cage, Steve, Rock, no, excuse me, Luke Cage, Daredevil, uh, and Robbie Reyes, uh, the Ghost Rider. And actually, we could include Sam Wilson in this as well. And so when I hear this argument that superheroes are basically cops with powers, uh, or in the case of the Punisher, cops with guns, um, more guns, even more guns than cops already have, which is a lot of guns already. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the thing that comes to mind is that, well, we have to be careful not to conflate serving the good of a community with necessarily reinforcing the social order. Mm. Because each of those characters that I just mentioned originated as advocates for their communities, specifically yeah. because there was a failing on the part of the system. Yeah. So, for example, like Daredevil is a great example of this, right? Mm -hmm. So Daredevil, Matt Murdock is a lawyer. And he is daredevil because he recognizes the law fails. The law does not work all the time, and it often fails the most vulnerable. Uh, Luke Cage was a mercenary initially. I mean, he was the hero for hire. He would do things for money, but a lot of the people that would, he was helping, especially in his early run, were people who were disenfranchised. They were people mm -hmm. who were abandoned by the social structure. Like, there was a social contract that was not being upheld for them, and so characters like Luke Cage, initially doing it for personal gain, but all the same, helped to rectify that to some degree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robbie Reyes in his uh, in his comics um, has this ongoing discussion of like what's the best way to help the community? Is it as a vigilante who you know kills uh, uh, drug cartel uh, you know soldiers, or is it as a community activist? And so there's mm -hmm. that ongoing tension, and and he sort of lands on a both and kind of situation, right? But in those in both of those situations, he's operating as someone who is trying to fill a gap that was left there by the dominant social structure. Um, so I guess that's kind of my thought is that arguing that a superhero acts as law enforcement does not necessarily mean they are acting as law enforcement as we currently understand it. I don't think and you can tell me if I'm way off base here. I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that. Uh, law enforcement needs to exist on some level. Like the way that we have it now, it's clearly not working. It's not working for most people, um, let alone the folks of marginalized communities who are disproportionately affected. But law enforcement fails in a lot of ways and in some ways that are not their fault in some ways that are. But however we conceptualize society, we're going to need a form of law enforcement, right? If if we're going to say that superheroes in general act as a form of law enforcement, um, I, I would I would then be asking, like, what form of law enforcement or, or in, in what way? Right. Like, are we talking about like, are they analogous to our current iteration of law enforcement? Because if so, then there's all sorts of implications we're making about the superheroes themselves, which is I think is what what you're getting at here is that like. If we're going to make, if we're going to say that they are parallel to each other, um, well, uh, law enforcement isn't always interested in um, doing good. It's interested in order, a particular kind of mm -hmm. order and a, a particular brand of order. But it's not always mm -hmm. interested in in a uh, type of justice that actually um, helps resolve the concerns of all the citizens. Right? It's it's. It's not the serve and protect branding that that 
we're, we're led to believe it is all the time. And superheroes do, in many ways, uphold the social order. They do uphold the particular stat, the the order that we have, and the case can even be made that the existence of superheroes prohibits or at least inhibits the ability to reform law enforcement. Because why do we need to if the superheroes are picking up the slack? So in that way, they help to preserve the status quo. I guess yeah. my thought is just that for the more for the street level heroes, for the ones who actually come from marginalized communities and who are actively trying to help them, it's important that we not make. Uh, serving the social good, the same thing as preserving the social order, because right, these right. heroes exist precisely because the social order is failing to uphold the contract that it's supposed to have with its citizens. Yeah. Um, and that if we were to conceptualize, if we were to conceptualize law enforcement in a way that is different, then while we wouldn't necessarily put it in the form of superheroes uh, in our day-to-day lives, but the the idea being that they should operate in a way that serves the social order, or I'm sorry, that serves mm-hmm. the social good, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, first mm-hmm. and foremost, is an admirable form of imagination, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I guess we, we see some people, and maybe we might be some of those people that are benefiting from the the current way the social order works out, right? Uh, and we, I don't mean you and I, but just like in general, this larger discussion of we as a society, some of us are benefiting from the social order. And uh, oftentimes those are the voices that are, are clamoring on about how or, or doing a lot of the conflating between social order and you know, social justice, if you will, right? That like um, the social order is justice because I'm benefiting from this. I feel safe in my society with the way that things are. So why, why would you have a problem with it? Right. Um, The, the social order is moral. The social order is right and is good and is, is the way things should be um, because I'm benefiting from it or, or I feel like, I'm, you know, I'm protected by it. Um, not really realizing yeah. that, it, like, it's it's not benefiting everyone in the same way. And that's kind of the way it's been designed. And uh, that sort of also reminds me of um, this whole thing. And it's a bit of a, I'm not a fan of this expression, but it works. It's a dead horse that's been beaten enough already. But the sure. idea of, like, what is Batman's culpability? in uh the criminals that he incarcerates who continue to escape right if we're talking about superheroes don't need to serve the social order they need to serve the social good and that those things are not exactly the same um how to what extent does batman serve the social good and is he not perpetuating a cycle of the social order as is normative or as is typical in gotham with the regular release and escape and terrorization of the city by these criminals, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, so then right. to what extent does he effectively serve uh, the social good? Yes, he is stopping, you know, terrible things from happening. Um, but all the same, he's also kind of allowing it to happen again. I'm not saying that, you know, Batman needs to start executing these criminals. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know, maybe throw him in the Phantom Zone, maybe, I guess. <laughs> Obviously, different writers and different creators have their different ways of going about developing these stories. And and sometimes there's even teams involved in in developing who these characters are and how they Mm -hmm. evolve over time. So, I mean, do you see different creators kind of grappling with this idea already? Because I I, like you you talked about at the beginning, this isn't a, 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 a new topic in general for superheroes, but it's something that that. Uh, certainly has gained momentum more recently in popular dialogue. Uh, how do you how do you see 
comic book creators grappling with this idea of law enforcement and the superheroes that are complementing or contrasting the law enforcement in their worlds. So I guess the easiest, easiest example that I can think of is uh, Jerry Conway and the Punisher. Uh, I think mm. we may have touched on this before in a previous episode, sure. but just to reiterate, um, Jerry Conway was one of the co-creators of the Punisher back in the seventies. Um, and he initially and the other creators conceptualized the Punisher as an indictment of the legal system mm. um, that if you're not familiar, the Punisher's family was killed and the right. uh, assassination and the, the, the killing was covered up by corrupt law enforcement. And mm-hmm. so it was a way of commenting on, you know, the shady history of law enforcement and the way that they have historically done things. And in some uh, cases continue to do things um, for more on that. You can look into the connections between like the Portland police department and uh, their relationship with local white supremacist organizations. Um, yeah. So there, yeah, <laughs> there's been some interesting connections there. <laughs> um, but, you know, over time, the Punisher and, this is often attributed to, you know, Chris Kyle, the uh, veteran who had the um, the film made about him, um, American Sniper, right? Mm. Uh, both his, I think it was his memoir and then, and then the film, um, talked about how the Punisher was this kind of cathartic uh, expression of identity. And of course, the soldiers are not law enforcement, but yeah. many law enforcement, unfortunately, perceive themselves as soldiers. And so, you know, when they were spray painting the the Punisher logo on their stuff overseas. And then that comes home and then law enforcement picks it up. And then we've seen in like the last five years, six years, this phenomenon of uh, like, you'll, you'll, I see it every once in a while and I'm sure folks listening will not have a hard time finding it, but like Punisher skull logos with like a blue stripe on one of the teeth yeah. uh, as, you know, a combination of like the thin blue line or blue lives matter combined with the Punisher. And the idea being as Chris Kyle iterated it, uh, that the Punisher was this I um this emotional satisfaction of like we're here to mess things up we're going to mess up the bad guys we're going to ruin their day you know we're really going to fuck them up and then having that ethos brought home uh which i guess connects to this concept called uh Foucault's boomerang which is basically when you train soldiers and send them overseas they then come home with that knowledge and that information and then it makes its way into sort of domestic yeah. uh areas um as a as a byproduct of imperial expansion um the the jerry conway addressed this issue by making the skulls for justice uh campaign where he commissioned artists primarily but not exclusively uh artists of color to create shirts that had the punisher logo along with uh, black lives matter yeah uh, on it in some way shape or form i have one of the shirts um and it's a picture of the punisher skull uh, that's crying red uh, crying red blood. And then beneath it, it says black lives matter. Uh, and it was, he was doing this specifically because of this proliferation of, uh, law enforcement adopting the Punisher logo. Yeah. Um, and in the comics, uh, and in the comics, I think last year or the year before it might've been 2019, um, the Punisher has an interaction with two law enforcement who like basically catch him and say, Hey, uh, we love what you're doing and we want to be just like you. And, the Punisher sees that one of them has like a, a logo of his, like on his vest. Yeah. And he, you know, either takes it off the vest or takes it off a squad car. I forget which, but he takes it and then he rips it up and says, you don't do what I do. I do what I do. If you want an example, look to Captain America. He's your role model, not me. Um, and 
so that was a in-text refutation of this this idea. Yeah. Uh, and what's interesting about the, the Punisher in particular is that he's often been compared um, in, in some scholarly work to uh, a cowboy, to the Western motif. And of course, you know, the yeah. Western uh, genre is defined by its lawlessness right. and that he is the law. And if you want to make the argument that the Punisher acts in an authoritarian manner, absolutely. I think the case yeah. can be made. I mean, he executes people. He is judge, jury, and executioner, right? At the same time, to quote... Um, Archie Goodwin, who wrote the forward or the uh, introduction to one of the um, early uh, uh, Punisher comics, the Punisher is a solution that is worse than the problem that created him. Mm -hmm. That being said, he was still the product of a problem and that problem still exists. Um, So yeah, it's a bit of a complicated thing, but the, and, and it's interesting because that message gets lost over time as different writers take the Punisher and do, do different right, things right. with him. But anyway, I think it's worth noting that a, lo- a lot of the superheroes, not the ones that we necessarily see in the MCU, but a lot of the superheroes come from marginalized communities and they're trying to uh, help people. They're trying to help their communities. And that happens to take the form of a function of law enforcement. And law enforcement is something that we do need in society, if not in its current iteration. Murders happen and we need people to investigate them and we need people who are trained to do so to investigate them. Uh, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm interested in, in maintaining, uh, murder investigators for sure. I think that should, uh, as a, as a baseline standard, we should have people investigating murders. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this, this podcast is firmly anti-murders. Um, <laughs> you know, what a bold, mostly how, how brave what a bold stance we are <laughs> mostly against murders generally speaking against murders i you know there, there might be an exception or two here or there but uh also uh someone should look into them when they yeah. happen so <laughs> yeah uh, you know if i were murdered i would want someone to look into it um not the not the true crime community because i've been learning some weird things about them but yeah but yeah who knows maybe uh you know, maybe a true crime podcast could solve my murder, I suppose. Um, but then there's the question of how do they get justice, right? Those are so, the real anyway. superheroes, really. Those are the real, <laughs> the true crime community are the real the true superheroes. crime community are the real superheroes. <laughs> I, that's 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 a joke. That's the way to wrap um, this up. Definitive statement, unjoking, is... very serious. The whole Good God true crime community. Thank you for your service. This is, you know, that one time we tried to get canceled by the uh, fans of 1960s uh, continental French philosophy. And now I think we're trying to pick fights with the true crime community. That's um, a community we'll, I'm we'll also willing to get canceled by. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> no, we should have, we should have, uh, um, a, a, you know, three or four jet flyover stadiums in honor of our true crime community. That'd be, I think, I think that would be appropriate. <laughs> One of the most unsettling things that my wife has ever said to me was that she doesn't like watching Marvel movies because it's, quote, fake murder. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. Is the quota of people actually being killed not high enough for you? Because she likes true crime. Um, yeah. <laughs> a, a buddy of mine asked me, he says, why? He, my buddy of mine asked me, he says, why does his wife and all the women he works with, and my wife for that matter, like true crime so much and I borrowed a joke from another comedian that I heard somewhere it was basically that for the same reason that a lot of guys like to watch the uh, you know pro sports 
they get to see someone without their dream. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, as always, you can uh, find me on uh, TikTok at uh, Doctor Dot underscore C on Twitter and Instagram at Ga Cruz underscore PhD. You can leave your uh, pro true crime hate comments t- uh, towards me there. Uh, and uh, yeah, you know, and also we don't say this enough, but you know, leave a, a review, rate us, or you know, leave a, a kind review or something on um, whatever platform you find this on. You know, we could really use the boost. Let's end. Let's end. <laughs> <laughs>